Open your Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter number 4. We're getting near the end of our study on this great chapter, which has to do with walking worthy, walking worthy, the worthy walk. And that ought to be important uh, to every person that calls Christ their Savior. Tonight we're going to focus in on just one verse. You know, it would be real easy, I guess, when we get down here near the end to just lump several of these verses together. Uh, but I think uh, this verse and also uh, the ones to follow are verses that need to be given very special attention and for a good reason. So let's read verse 29, and we're going to camp out there for the next few minutes. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Few things, if anything, gets us into more trouble than the tongue. And that's exactly why the Bible has so much to say about it. Uh, I wish we had time to go to the book of James, chapter 3. I know James is one of Bev's favorite books, and there's a good reason for that, because it is so very practical, and that's what we see here. Tim and I was talking about a certain author uh, of years gone by that we both enjoy reading, and uh, I made the comment, the thing about this particular writer is that he deals with practical issues. It just gets down to the nitty-gritty where the rubber meets the road, the everyday things of life, and we all need that. Well, that's what James does whenever he deals with the issue of controlling our tongue. I read several years ago about a man who was walking through one of the old English cemeteries and reading the inscriptions on the tombstone uh, and uh, one particular tombstone caught his attention, and uh, it was the grave of Miss Arabella Young. And uh, he read this following epitaph on the tombstone. It said, quote, Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who's on, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. Well, <laughs> you know, that uh, I, I, I guess that's... A, <laughs> You know, that kind of describes a lot of people, you know, they don't really get control of it until they're dead and gone and in the grave. But the Bible tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 19 that we are to be slow to speak. And we've all heard the old thing, you know, that God gave us two ears and one tongue. We ought to listen twice as much as we speak. And uh, maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. But, but certainly the Bible tells us to be slow to speak. And uh, yet a lot of people don't pay any attention to that and uh, evidently don't understand. The Bible says every idle word that we speak is going to be called into account. And so that ought to make our words significant, realizing that we are accountable for every word we speak, whatever the context, wherever we are, whatever the situation might be. Because sometimes, you know, I think we're all guilty maybe during an emotional moment and, uh, and some way or another we convince ourselves 
that I'm under stress and uh, this is a bad time. So I've, I've, you know, I've, I've got the liberty now to misuse my tongue. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us we're to have it, you know, in control all of the time. And so we're going to look at our text here tonight and and in this verse, it divides itself into two parts, and these are the two things we're going to talk about. The first part of the verse has to do with the banishment of corrupt speech, and the second part has to do with the blessing of Christian speech. So let's look at the first one first, naturally, the banishment of corrupt speech. Let no Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That word corrupt is interesting. It means rotten. It means putrefying. It means useless or worthless. And uh, notice the sins that, that, are, uh, that are identified with this in chapter 5. So just look down a few verses and let's just begin in verse 3. And I want you to notice the different sins that are mentioned here. He mentions fornication. And all uncleanness, uh, covetousness, and let it not be once name among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, that is, not becoming, but rather giving of thanks. And so uh, we could look at Colossians and see there are other sins. And so we look at these sins that all of us would say, you know, that is a horrible, terrible sin, an abomination to God, and yet God puts right in the middle of all of those sins this matter here of misusing the tongue. So immediately that ought to get our attention. And we ought to, we ought to feel like David whenever he, whenever he said, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. So evidently David also had a problem with this very area we all do and so David was praying that God would enable him uh, to maintain control of his speech um, whenever we look at these different sins that I just read and the and what's been mentioned uh, understand that's the fruit of the problem the root of the problem is what Jesus said whenever he said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh so the heart of the problem is the heart itself and, and and the heart of our problem you know is uh uh we, we, you know, we look at the fruit of it you know we said this and we shouldn't have said that and so forth but but the root of the problem is in our heart we we don't like to admit that but it's true and so that's what we've got to deal with if we're going to be able to control our speech we're not going to be able to do it by just you know uh, sheer determination and bulldog tenacity. We're never going to control it that way. We've got to deal with the issue of the heart. And whenever we think about misusing the tongue, one of the first things we need to keep in mind is that that can take many different forms. Some of us, you know, we get the idea, well, as long as I don't cuss somebody out, well, you know, that's all right. But, you know, it can have to do with cussing. It can have to do with lying. It can have to do with gossip with criticism, and that list just goes on and on and on. And so that old 
nonsensical statement that we've all heard. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's one of the stupidest things anybody has ever said because words do hurt. Uh, they hurt deeply and, uh, and, and cause a lot of problems. Someone came up with an acronym using the word THINK, T-H-I-N-K, and, be, and it simply said, before, before you speak, ask yourself, first, is it true? That's the T. Then ask yourself, is it helpful? Number three, ask yourself if it is inspiring. Number four, ask yourself if it's necessary. And number five, K, ask yourself if it is kind. And so we might want to think about that. And just remember that little word, think, and a lot of times it'll help us, you know, to, uh, to maybe gain control of our tongue. William Norris wrote uh, a little witty poem many years ago. He said, if your lips would keep from slips, five things observe with care. To whom you speak, of whom you speak, and how and when and where. And I'll guarantee you, you can go online and just... Uh, run a Google search regarding the tongue and you'll find all kinds of quaint little sayings and poems and things of that nature in regards to it. And that tells you something. It tells you that down through the ages and, and in every segment of society, everybody has a problem with the tongue. And yet the Bible says, let no corrupt communication come out of your lips. You, you know, when you stop and think about it, the tongue is the barometer of the soul. That is to say that whenever we speak, whenever we speak, we are telling others, we are showing others whether or not, or maybe I ought to say, to what degree we are surrendered to the Lord. Because it's easy to talk about, you know, I've surrendered my life to God. I'm available you know, to do whatever God wants me to do. I'm totally surrendered to the Lord. And it's real easy to say that, but a lot of times our speech gives us away. And, and all you've got to do is listen to someone talk long enough and, and you'll find out what their true state is, whether they have indeed surrendered. All Because remember, as James tells us, that it, the tongue is an unruly evil that no man can tame. It is beyond your ability to maintain control of your tongue. And the only way that we can do that is to be absolutely surrendered to the Lord. And by the way, that's not like salvation. That's not something that, you know, you do today and now it's good for the rest of your life. Well, I've surrendered myself, you know, to the Lord, and so, you know, that's it, nothing to ever worry about. This is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day thing. Every day of our life, we've got to be yielding ourselves, surrendering ourselves to the Lord, and it's whenever we get out of control that all of a sudden, you know, there's the slip of the tongue, and, you know, we say something that we shouldn't say. So, he talks about the banishment of corrupt speech. But I want to spend most of our time tonight talking about the blessing of Christian speech. And this is the second half of the verse. Notice, he says, But that which is good, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
And, you know, we could gather up all of the verses in the Bible related to this subject and literally spend hours talking about it. Instead of doing that, we're going to stay with our text. All of the comments, everything I say from here on out is going to have to do with what is said right here. And there are four things about the blessing of Christian speech that we need to think about. Four things. First of all, it ought to be excellent. Notice what he says, that which is good. So what I say ought to be something that is good. That, and that means it ought to be suitable. It ought to be pleasant. It ought to be agreeable. It ought to be excellent. Well, we live in a day wherever the line of demarcation between good and evil, you know, has, has been so marred that it, you know, a lot of people are confused and have a hard time uh, seeing what is actually good and evil. It's like I said this morning, uh, every man does that which is right in their own sight. I, I'll never forget years ago a young preacher. In fact, uh, this young preacher is actually now pastoring a church in this area, but this was like maybe 40 years ago, something like that, and I was preaching a revival, and he was. this was the first church where he was pastoring, and, and uh, I was preaching a revival for him, and and uh, he said, Brother Stone, what do you think about preachers that, that cuss? And I, I said, well, wh- what do you mean? And he said, I mean cuss. I, they just turn the air blue. They're just liable to say absolutely anything. And in that particular area of Kentucky, there was a, a little group of preachers there that, you know, had that idea that crude speech was, you know, just fine as long as you wasn't using it against someone. And so, you know, if they were out hunting with their bird dog, they didn't hesitate to just, I, I mean, turn the air blue, cussing a uh, you know, a blue streak, and just, and, and, and of course, I let him know. I, I, well, I felt like they ought to be in control of their tongue, and we talked about that a little while. But isn't it amazing that there are those that are even ministers of the gospel that think that it really doesn't matter? And I know, listen, we could take certain words in the Bible that, uh, uh, that 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 some of them might even shock us. Some people might you know, say, "Well, I didn't even know that word was in the Bible." And we can we can take those words and we can use other words that actually describe the same thing, but it's gutter language. Well, you know, if we would just stick with this and ask ourselves, "Is it good? Is it good?" You know, we can talk about the same subject a lot of times and use certain words that are good words to describe it, and we can use other words that's nothing more than gutter language. And uh, the this, this sad thing about it is we end up doing harm to our testimony and to the cause of Christ. So that's the first thing we need to ask ourselves, and that is, is it excellent? The second thing is 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 it essential? Notice he said not only that which is good, but notice the, this phrase to the use, to the use. Now stop right there. We'll get the rest of it in a minute. But to the use that that means is it something that is needful? Is it something that is necessary? Uh, you know, I, I can remember I had a teacher many years ago that used to. Uh, always remind us that uh, about the matter of, uh, of, of tattling, and the first thing would be, is this really necessary? You, you know how kids in grade school, you're prone to 
tell on somebody. Sometimes it's not always the truth anyway, and you want to embellish it and and uh, <laughs> make the picture uglier than what it is, but you're just trying to get the other kid in trouble. Uh, but this particular teacher, you know, you start to say something, is this really necessary? And, and, well, most of the time, no, it's not really necessary. I just want to make that guy look bad, you see. And we need to ask ourselves, is there any use in what I'm about to say? And a lot of times we're prone to say things that are not really necessary. It might not be classified as something that is actually bad, but the point is it's not necessary. In other words, it's just idle talk. Well, that goes right back to what the Bible says, that we're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak. If it's not something that is useful, something that is necessary, uh, you know, we, we, ought, we ought to forget it. So, our words, our speech ought to be excellent. They ought to be essential. Now, notice the next word here, and he says, to the use of edifying. So Christian speech ought to be something that is edifying. That word edifying means building or building up. And and so whatever we say ought to be something that builds people up instead of tearing people down. And, and it's really easy, especially whenever we feel like we've been slighted in some way or insulted in some way. And so consequently, we want to say something that will tear them down. Isn't it strange that we get it in our mind that by tearing somebody else down, that helps build us up? But it doesn't really work that way, but that's kind of the way, you know, our warped thinking is. And so before we say something, we need to ask ourselves, is this edifying? Is this going to be something that will be constructive? Is this going to be something that will build up others and help them. Now, there are several things that we could say about this. When we talk about it, is it edifying? I want you to think about some of the ways in which we can say things that are edifying. Let me just give you a list that I made up. Number one, does it express your love? When we express love one for another, that is something that edifies other people. Uh, it's not a small thing. It's not an unimportant thing to say, I love you. Uh, that ought to be somebody says, well, you know, I, I don't need to tell them I love them. I, you know, I, I show it. I prove it. Well, we need to show it, but we also need to say it. And, and there's great power in, in those three little words, I love you. And they will build people up because, believe me, there are people. In, in fact, let me say this. I think all of us want to hear that, don't we? That's something that everybody wants to hear. And a lot of folks, they don't get that at home. A lot of folks don't get that, you know, whether it's from their parents or whether it's from their spouse or whatever. Uh, they don't have anyone to say, I love you. Bev and I have often talked about this back when we were growing up. And, of course, that was another generation. Those of you that are my age probably probably experienced something very similar to this. Mom and Dad, I'm convinced, loved me. But I, I never, I never ha had Dad ever, ever in my life ever say, I love you until he was, see, he was at least in his 70s before I ever heard Dad say, I love you. 
I mean, just say those words, I love you. There was something about it, you know, that, you know, grown men don't cry and you don't get all, you know, gushy and say things like, I love you. And uh, there's not a one of our children that could ever say that they haven't been told over and over and over and over again, I love you. But we didn't get that growing up. Bev didn't get it. I didn't get it. You probably didn't get it. But I'm telling you, your children need that. Your husbands, your wives, others need that. Just And that will build them up and encourage them. Does it express love? Secondly, we can speak words that are edifying if they express appreciation. Every person wants to feel appreciated. Right? I mean, look, we don't do what we do in order to gain the praise from other people, or we shouldn't anyway. That shouldn't be the primary reason that you serve the Lord. Whenever you do something for the Lord's church, you do it because you love the Lord, you love the church, and and you want to do it. You shouldn't do it just in order to get praise out of it. But I tell you, people always work better and do more and feel better about themselves under a spirit of appreciation when people say, you know, I really appreciate what you do. And we ought to go out of our way, I think, every week to express our appreciation one to another, not just to the members of our family, but, to, you know, to the different people in, in the Lord's church for the things that they do, just to say, thank you, I appreciate what you do. That builds them up. That makes it easy for them to want to do more than what they've been doing. And, and, you know, you might be strong enough to be able to just go on whether anybody ever expresses appreciation or not. You know, you might be the kind like David that you encourage yourself in the Lord regardless of what anybody else thinks or whatever they do. doesn't make any difference. You're going to do what is right. But let me tell you, everybody's not that strong. A lot of people are in desperate need of feeling that what they do is appreciated. So we ought to express love. We ought to express appreciation. And then we can, we can speak words that are edifying by way of encouragement. I was thinking about, in fact, wrote a little article that I might put in, or may have already put it in the morning manna about Barnabas, the encourager. And boy, it's, it, we we all need to say things that are encouraging to other people. And uh, some people are experts at that. It seems like they have the gift of knowing just what to say and when to say it. It's almost like, you know, they're looking into the window of your soul and they can see that, that you just need a word of encouragement. And, you know, they don't put it in the form of a lecture or anything like that. But just in the ordinary conversation, they just have that knack of saying something that really lifts you up. And we need to think about that because not only do you need it, but the person you're talking to needs it also. And then there's a matter also in regards to this of speaking words that are gentle. And the Bible speaks about that. In fact, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that gentleness is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. And sometimes we're guilty of saying things that reveals our impatience. You know, all of us have faults. And, and, but all of us have different faults. 
you, you know, with you might excel in some areas that, boy, I'm a complete failure in that area. And, and I think about what Paul said there in Hebrews about laying aside every weight and, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. I think everybody has a besetting sin of some kind, you know, some area that they, where they are weak. Everybody else might be strong there. That's why, you know, I've confessed a thousand times over that, boy, one of my areas of real weakness is, uh, is you know, that feeling of being dirty, hairy, you know, just wanting to get even with people that, that do me wrong or do other people that I love wrong. And I'm just being honest about it. By nature, I'm that way. Maybe you're not. You know, there's some people that are not like that. But but if it wasn't for God's strength and help, you know, I'd really be a mess in that area. Some of you probably have the same problem, but you don't want to talk about it, but it's it's true. But another one of those areas is this matter of being impatient. And I recognize, I know, and no doubt, you know, if listen, if we talk long enough, if you and I are together long enough, if we go fishing a time or two together, after a while, is I don't care how hard I try, after a while it's going to bleed through that I get a bit impatient. Shut up, Ron. I get a bit... <laughs> I get a bit impatient sometimes, and, and, and listen, a lot of times, even though we don't intend to do it, we will say things, you know, that, that, that demonstrate that to others. And we need to keep in mind that if we're going to speak words that are edifying, if we're going to build up others, we need to learn to say things that are gentle instead of things that demonstrate our impatience, like, you know, you're bothering me or whatever it is. Now... Then there's a matter of kind words. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 that love is kind. And so naturally, if we're going to say things that build people up, there's got to be kindness expressed in what we do, right? You, you think about uh, uh, overcoming evil. How do we do that? With what? With good, you know. And we're demonstrating goodness through acts of kindness to other people. And when we say things that are kind, it has a way of building them up. But let's take a different direction. We're still talking about the same thing. We're talking about words that edify. But we've been talking about gentleness, you know, and things that are kind and loving and all of that. But another way that we build people up is through corrective words. And I think actually few people really know how to do this and to do it well. But the Bible tells us that friends do exactly that. I don't mean by that that they go around trying to correct everybody else's problems, but they just, you know, out, out of a spirit of love and with much humility, there are times that friends have to sit down and have that heart-to-heart, you know, because I love you, I don't want to see you get hurt. And, and there are times that, you know, God uses us to build up others by speaking words that are corrective words. Well, then there's another area, and this, this is the one that goes without saying and that is that, that we speak words that are edifying when we speak Scripture to other people. 
you know, we live in a day and an age where it's, uh, it, it seems like a lot of people are almost scared to death to quote a scripture. You know, j- just tell somebody during the course of a conversation, well, you know, the Bible says, uh, we, we, you know, pe- people fear doing that. And, you know, I don't know why, after all, if this is our final authority and everything, and we're engaged in a conversation about some subject, why should we hesitate to remind them? But, you know, the Bible says. Now, it might be something like that that would, you know, be a means of helping to correct them, but it also might be a means of encouraging them. And I know that we can, we can take Romans 8.28 and make it a trite little saying and just use that, you know, to, uh, to cover everything and, and really not touch any real pertinent issue. But the truth of the matter is there sometimes the best thing I can say to you is that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, you know. What's wrong with that? We need to speak Scripture one to another. But then there's the matter of prayer. If we're, if we're going to speak words that are edifying, we can't leave this out of the list. And that is that we speak prayer, as it were, for other people. That's, that's the, 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 you know, the best thing that we can possibly do one for another is to pray. And, and uh, I, I just wonder how many times that we... Uh, you know, whenever we're engaging in conversation with somebody else that we say something to the effect, would you mind if, would you mind if I had prayer with you? You know, uh, I don't know why that would bother anyone, but uh, a lot of times, you know, that's exactly what they need, and it would be a great encouragement to them if you would just say, look, you know, I, I, I'm so sorry you're going through what you're going through, and, and, and it just breaks my heart. And I wish, you know, that I had a magic wand that I could wave and make it all go away. But I can't. But would you mind if I would just right now uh, pray for you? And you would be amazed how many people would be thrilled to know that you cared enough to pray for them. Well, I said there would be four things concerning this matter of the blessing of Christian speech. So there's one last thing, and that is extending grace. Notice what he says as we close the verse, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, we've been saved by grace. We've been secured by grace. We've been supplied by grace, strengthened by grace, and we ought to speak in grace, so that we might spread grace. And the point is that our words ought to bless those that hear them. Have you ever had a conversation with someone, and whenever you go away, it's like, wow, that was like a breath of fresh air. I enjoyed that so much. It was just such a blessing uh, to be with that person, and that's the way that it ought to be. Look, Look at Colossians for just a minute. This is a very important verse in this regards, and it tells us a great deal about the content of our words. Verse 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. You know, that's the way Jesus spoke. 
That's what the Bible tells us over in Luke chapter number 4. And that is the reason and the way that we ought to speak one to another. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, I'll tell you what they don't deserve. What they really deserve is a tongue lashing, you know. And, 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 and yet the Bible says we're to speak what? Words of grace. And, and why? What are we doing? Well, he says that it may minister it may minister. You ever think about yourself being in the ministry? Well, you are, whether you realize it or not. You, you know, it, it might be that God didn't call you to be the pastor of a church. God, maybe He didn't call you to be a missionary to go to China. You know, it may be that God never called you to be a deacon in the church or something like that. But God has called all of us to be ministers and that we are to minister one to another and the the very best way and really the only way we can effectively minister one to another is what? Is through grace, to minister grace to them. And this is also very important that if we're going, listen, if we're going to walk worthy as the Bible commands, then we've got to do exactly what he says here. We've got to be a blessing by the way that we use our tongue. You think back to, you know, all of the family squabbles, all of the church splits and everything that's happened uh, over the years, and, 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 and inevitably it be, can be attributed to the misuse of the tongue. And so many times it's some little petty issue, and, boy, you know, our voice gets louder, and after a while we get more rude and more crude in our speech, and after a while we've got a full-blown argument that ends up, you know, with terrible harm being done. And the Bible tells us that we're to know, you know, what to say in every season, how to answer every man that asks a reason of the hope that is within us. And boy, whenever we take the, when we take the route of grace, we never go wrong. That we are ministering grace. And so it's not a matter of whether they deserve it or not. Whenever you're in an argument with your wife or with your husband, you know, you're not generally not thinking about, well, do they deserve for me to say something nice to them? Well, that doesn't matter. You don't deserve it either. Neither one of us really deserve that. But we're to be ministering grace one to another. And if we'll do that, I'll tell you what, it will prevent a lot of problems and it'll solve a lot of problems if we just learn to let God control our tongue. And you'd, you'd just be amazed at the difference that it'll make. Now, I realize that every single one of us at some point in time you know, are going to slip up, revert back to our old ways and say something. I'm not talking about cussing or anything else, but I'm talking about misusing our tongue in some way. And, uh, and we ought to learn a lesson each and every time and realize the harm of it and the, and the obligation that we have to be ministering to others so that whenever we part company and go our separate ways, you know, they, they leave with that feeling. Well, it's so wonderful to be around people 
like that. Be that person. That's what I'm trying to say. You be that person that you enjoy being around. And just because something is true doesn't mean that it needs to be said. And just because you're right doesn't mean that you've got a license to be rude. And so let's each and every one of us ask God help us to control our tongue because we can't do it on our own. We're going to fail. We're going to fall flat on our face. It is an unruly evil. It is like a fire, James said, that consumes everything. It's a destructive force. But it's only as it comes under the control of the Holy Spirit that we can use that evil instrument for a good purpose. And the greatest thing we could do is use it to pray for others and to minister to them by sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. So walk worthy, and that includes the manner in which we talk. Let's all stand together. Father, tonight I pray that you'll forgive me and each and every one of us of the many times and many ways that we fail you, but especially tonight as we think about uh, as we think about our failure in regards to the things that we say and the way that we say it and i pray that you'll help us to feel as david did and that we'll just bring this matter before your throne of grace and lay it out and ask for your help in controlling our tongue. God, help us to minister grace to those around us. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be able to maintain control of ourselves in that we have given you the full control of our life. Fill us with your Spirit and use us for your glory and make us a blessing to all of those that are in contact with us, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, and we're going to sing a verse of invitation tonight. And if God is dealing with your heart about something, maybe you just want to come and pray. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. My desire.